Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews, coming at you online and in print format at nicktiffany.com, in audio form wherever you get your podcasts, and even in video on YouTube. Today we are back with another Netflix release. This time, I mean, this is a movie I've been long, long waiting for, one that's been touted as uh, anything from an awards favorite to return to form for this director. And the movie we're talking about is The Killer, directed by David Fincher, starring Michael Fassbender. So I was having a conversation with uh, some film friends of mine recently because this film releases on Netflix this week. I happened to catch it early in theaters, kind of, you know, for their limited theatrical run that they're doing. I'm glad I saw this in the movie theater, but it... uh, David Fincher has an interesting relationship with Netflix. He directed a TV series for him called Mind Hunters uh, for a couple seasons, all about the study of serial killers and kind of the development of this study of the mind and all these different things that the FBI, uh, really intriguing stuff right in his wheelhouse of dark and gritty and gruesome and realistic though, as to what kind of happens in these horrible instances. And after not getting picked up for a third season, it's kind of like, oh, that's a real bummer because I'm sure costs outweighed whatever. Maybe they didn't have the viewership, they've said, but it was one of the better things that was on Netflix for sure. So cut to now, Netflix reteamed and they said, hey, you know, originally this movie was going to be shopped to someone else, but Fincher took it to Netflix as a sign of good faith. I'm sure they were like, hey, let's work again. And so, mind you, The Killer is not written by David Fincher. It's based off of a French graphic novel, which I wasn't aware of until afterwards. Uh, The screenplay is written by Andrew Kevin Walker. And this is one of those instances where I think, especially for Fincher, a lot of the film is dictated, unfortunately, by the writing. And so you've got films like Fight Club, Gone Girl, The Social Network, all written by immaculate writers in their own regards, uh, but scripts that are so dense and layered with just intriguing and well-written characters. And then you've got some of his other films. And I would say that, you know, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is kind of somewhere in the middle. I think, you know, it's a tough book to do. I had already kind of liked the original films that they'd made, uh, the foreign versions, and then, you know, him trying his go at it. It was good. It was enjoyable, but the killer, I don't know. I like this feels for me personally. I mean, it was a huge letdown just to, I mean, I don't think I was going in with the highest of expectations given it's a Netflix release. Hadn't heard anything about the source material. And after watching the trailer, it was like, okay, this could be interesting. Um, All the tentpole David Fincherisms are there. I mean, some of the camera work in really dark and intense moments are great. His use of sound, specifically in one scene towards the end in certain fights, um, is just really, really engrossing. It is just like, and it's why I think it played well. I'm glad I watched it in the theater because I really did get to experience, you know, all of this craziness as it was happening. I think their sound system is probably better than mine is at home, but I don't know. I left thinking that, wow, this might be the weakest effort I've probably seen, probably from David Fincher. And that goes all the way back to Alien 3, which was kind of a weird one, too, where just starting out, you know, more of a studio-directed movie, and obviously they needed a guy to direct it as well. But 
I, I don't know. I thought it was fine. This was a really play by the numbers spy thriller. It felt a little on the nose for our 21st century time post COVID. There's 20 plus minutes of narration. It feels like at the start of the movie for a two hour film, it moves exceptionally slowly and, you know, only has these bursts of violence and these bursts of just kinetic motion where you're like, okay, cool. We're like, we're doing something thrilling now. And it's over. And you're like, all right, well, back to more inner monologues from our, you know, hip young killer who just goes by the name The Killer. Um, I like, you know, some narration in movies is fine. A little bit at the beginning, maybe in the middle, maybe at the end to wrap it up. But when you are just consistently doing voiceover, that's, that's something that personally bugs me in a film because you're just telling me everything this guy's thinking rather than maybe giving us an opportunity to read it through his body language, through everything he's setting up or doing. And so a lot of the film, the progression of it was just kind of like, all right, well, inner monologue here, even though this is happening on screen, this is what I'm thinking calmly and coolly. And so maybe that's also what kind of, there wasn't a ton of urgency in the narrative voice, even though I'm like, and I get it. The killer is going to keep cool. He's got a, I don't know. He's not going to break his sweat, but you know, for a film where essentially the set, the story up, the killers hired for another mission. He pulls the trigger. Doesn't quite hit the mark. He needs to this causes issues. And now he's being hunted down by any number of other killers. And so like all of the best universal world spies, he's got safe houses and setups in every country, all sorts of passports and IDs. So some of this, it's kind of interesting and you can see some of the influences from maybe the mission impossible series, some of the James Bond stuff, but a lot of the commentary is very like very 21st century, very like, you know, I'm hip and I always listen to my music to cool me down and calm my, uh, my heart rate. I do all these things and we're going to talk about Uber and Postmates because yes, this exposes some holes in security systems, but I don't know. I felt like sometimes it was trying too hard to be a little too modern or reach whatever audience it's hoping to reach. I, I don't know. I just, Michael Fassbender was good. There's a few pretty brutal moments where I thought, awesome. Love to see this side of you. But by and large, it was just kind of slow moving and overly explained to the audience to the point where it was like, I'm dying for a moment where we're just going to get some crazy, awesome kill or some fight, or just some real good espionage. And so just a little bit of urgency is all I kind of maybe was looking for. And so I think, yeah, it's probably good that this is going to play Netflix because you know, if a ton of people don't end up seeing it, c'est la vie, you know, it's less of a knock against Fincher and Fastbender than maybe. I just was really surprised at how unengaged I was for most of the movie and just how for all of the talent involved and working with this premise of a super spy and all these things, I just felt, I don't know. I feel like it could have been done a lot better. I don't know if they should have taken it less seriously, more seriously, but for a Netflix release, I think this will be just fine for most people next time. I'm just hoping for a little bit more as always. If you want to stay tuned to newest movie reviews, different movie talks, stay tuned to NT Movie Reviews and all social media networks. 
podcast platforms and on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to you and the movies will not cease to stop pretty much for the rest of the year. So we're going to have tons to talk about week by week, tons of releases, Oscar players, blockbuster films, you name it. So stay tuned, you guys. Thanks again.